When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'll be joined by Lucas Vlahos in just a little bit, but we're going to just jump right into things first and go over how the Mets affiliates did this week. So first up are the Syracuse Mets, and they played the Omaha Storm Chasers, and they split the series with them 3-3. So Syracuse is now 45-54 and on the season, which is nine and a half games back behind the Dorm Bulls. Francisco Alvarez, he went 5-20 with two doubles, two homers, and seven walks to five strikeouts, which really has been his M.O., in AAA so far, tons and tons of walks, and the few things that he is getting to hit have been going out for power. Uh, so he is now hitting 259, 368, 531 on the year with 21 homers and 51 walks to 91 strikeouts. Mark Vientos, he also had a good week this week. He went 7 for 20 with a double and two homers and four walks to three strikeouts. So on the season now, he's hitting 267, 350, 524, with 19 home runs and 33 walks to 95 strikeouts. Binghamton Rumble Ponies, they played the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and they went 2-4, and four, and they are now 7-19 and 19 in the second half, and 35-60 and 60 overall, um, 
nine and a half games behind the first place Portland Sea Dogs. Brett Beatty, excellent, excellent week. He went 12 for 26 with a double, three home runs, and two walks to four strikeouts. And on the season now, he is hitting 306, 397, 524 with uh, 21 doubles, 16 homers, and 41 strike, excuse me, 41 walks to 91 strikeouts. Ryan Mauricio had a decent week as well, um, which, you know, is happening kind of far and few in between with him, but he went 7 for 25 with a double, two homers, and two steals, and he had three walks to four strikeouts. So Mauricio is now hitting 249, 290, 475 on the season with 20 doubles, a triple, 18 home runs, 13 out of 18 stolen bases, and 17 walks to 86 strikeouts. Brooklyn Cyclones, they played the Hudson Valley Renegades and they went 4 and 2 against them, so they are now 18 and 12 in the second half, a game and a half ahead of those same Renegades in the standings. The strong week also brought them to an even 48 and 48 on the season as a whole. Alex Ramirez started the month of July out hot, and he is ending it hot. And he went for the week 7 for 23 with a double, three home runs, and two walks to nine strikeouts. So his line on the season, and that includes St. Lucie and Brooklyn, of course, is 288. 359, 473, with 18 doubles, 7 triples, 11 home runs, 19 of 33 stolen bases, and 34 walks to 89 strikeouts. St. Lucie Mets, they played the Palm Beach Cardinals and they split the series with them 3-3. There should have been no standings, no change in the standings because the Cardinals were in first place coming into the week and they split the series 3-3, but the Jupiter Hammerheads have actually snuck into second place since they are currently on a uh, a, a winning streak. They're seven and three in their last ten games, so Jupiter is a half game back, and St. Lucie is two games behind uh, Palm Beach Cardinals. And then finally, last but not least, the FCL Mets, and they went five for six over the course of the week, and they are now 23 and 14 on the season. All right, so the first thing that we're going to get to this week is the draft signing deadline, and that is today, Monday at 5 o'clock. And without anything radical changing, uh, the Mets will have signed nine of their first 10 picks. First rounder, Kevin Parada, he signed for about $5 million, and their other first round pick, Jet Williams, he signed for 39 Blade Tidwell, the second rounder, he signed for $1.8 million. Nick Morbido, their compensation pick, he signed for a cool million dollars. Fourth rounder, Jacob Reimer, he signed for $775,000. Fifth rounder, DeAndre Smith, he signed for $379,000. Sixth rounder, Tyler Stewart, he signed for $220,000. Seventh rounder, Jonah Tong, he signed for $225,000. Eighth rounder, Dylan Tebrake, he signed for $130,000. Ninth rounder, Chase Estep, he signed for $120,000. And 10th round pick, Zebulon Vermillion, signed for 20000 
the one that got away, the one that they weren't able to sign, or it's likely they were not being able to sign, is third round pick Brandon Sprode. He signaled that he's not going to be signing and he's going to be going back to the University of Florida. Um, this past season was technically his third year there, but he redshirted because of COVID. So he was a redshirt sophomore this past season. He'll be a redshirt junior next year. Um, you know, be, being drafted in a third round is definitely not nothing to sneeze at. You know, it's not like he was drafted in the 13th round or anything like that. He was the 90th overall pick. Slot value for the 90th overall pick was $691,000. The Mets had something like $250,000 left without going over their uh, pool and incurring penalties and stuff like that. So the Mets could have offered him, you know, a little bit under a million dollars. And Sprout was said to be looking for first round money. On the surface, you know, it seems like it's a pretty big gamble on himself. But when you break down the money, it's probably not too big of a reach. He established himself as the Florida ace when Hunter Barco went down in May or so. So basically all next season, he's going to be the ace of the staff. So he's going to have all that prestige. His numbers this year weren't bad. He posted a 341 ERA in 89 and two-third innings um, with about one hit per inning, three walks per nine, and eight strikeouts per nine. Not bad. And the stuff is pretty good. Fastball sits in the mid-90s, almost hits 100, you know, premium velocity. Slider has a very high spin rate and and really sharp break, and the curveball is okay. So, assuming he doesn't get hurt or completely crater next season, I could definitely see him being picked a little bit higher than he was this year at 90 and getting paid the money that he wants. Definitely sucks for us. It sucks for the Mets. Um, You know, we we shared our hypothetical revised top 10 prospect lists last week, and I had Sprout slotting in at 10, and Lucas had him at 11. So him not signing is a hit to the system. But all is not lost. The Mets are going to get a compensation pick for him in next year's draft. Um, They're going to get a pick between the third and fourth rounds. So depending on how things shake out, free agency and the competitive balance picks and whatever else, that could be somewhere around pick 100. Uh, Depending on how the Mets want to play it, what their strategy is going to be next year, there will be good players available around you know pick 100. Um, the slot value for that pick will probably be around $500,000. So if they want to play around the bonus values, that's a decent little chunk of change that they could save there. So there are options. I personally like Sprout. I would have preferred him to have signed, but him not signing is not, um, the end of the world. The Mets lose out on the, um, money that would have been allocated to him for uh, the 90th overall pick, which, like I said before, was $691,000. And they had something like $250,000 left that um, they would have been able to give to him. So you take out that that, that $691,000, and the Mets have about $250,000 they could work with here. That $250,000 is not going to be enough 
to entice uh, some of the backup. Uh, what's a nice way of putting it? Basically, that that amount of money is not going to be able to entice Jackson Jeha or Jackson Lovich to not go to college. You know, anything over one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars would be. Um, would affect the draft pool and the penalties. So, you know, that that's just not enough money for it to be worthwhile to them. So they're not going to sign either. Um, but, you know, getting nine of their first ten picks is not not a bad thing. And, you know, some of those players, I do think, are bargains. Some of those players are pretty solid and I think might surprise so you know it's it's a hit to the system not pay, being able to sign Sprout but it's not like a disaster you know it, it's not like uh, <laughs> last year a, a last year situation and now we have Lucas Vlahos with a trade proposal for the upcoming trade deadline Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy Judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, Luke is here to talk about the uh, uh, my idealized trade for uh, this deadline. The deadline is coming up on Tuesday, and the Mets still seem to be in the market for some bats and arms. Um, my trade is going to focus on the bat side. Uh, I think the reliever market is still a little bit opaque. There's going to be names that only a couple of names have even been discussed so far, like David Robertson and, and Andrew Chafin. Um, Beyond that, there's going to be multiple other relievers moved, um, and I think a lot of them are, are a little bit more interchangeable than maybe we recognize. Uh, so I'm not going to touch on that as much. I'm more interested in the offensive side of things. Uh, the Mets have obviously already added Tyler Naquin and Daniel Vogelbach, um, but I think they're still uh, need to and probably will add at least one more bat here. Um, they've obviously been connected to Trey Mancini for a while, uh, connected to Wilson Contreras recently, uh, but I'm going to touch on perhaps the newest rumor, uh, which is with the Red Sox, um, uh, where the Mets have been linked to both Christian Vasquez, the catcher, and J.D. Martinez as our right-handed DH option. Um, so the deal I'd propose, Dominic Smith, Mark Vientos, uh, and either uh, an IFA name of their choice, or uh, if they insist on it, I'd be willing to move Joel Diaz as the third piece of the deal um, and trade all of those guys for both Christian Vasquez and uh, J.D. Martinez. Real quick on the Mets side of things, I don't think Dom has any value, but reportedly the Red Sox have 
uh, had interest in, interest in him in the past, have asked about him fairly recently. Uh, so if they would take him, I'd absolutely do that. Um, Vientos is well known. I think he's a little bit more limited at this point. I don't think he can really play anywhere aside from first and the bat's a little stiff. He's going to be like J.D. Davis, and I think, frankly, you'd trade J.D. Davis for whatever at this point. Uh, and Joel Diaz came into the season with a lot of hype, and there's some things to like there, but he's been generally disappointing. Um, I just don't even think he's better than the arm they gave up to acquire Ty- uh, Tyler Naquin in the first place. So um, I think this is a, that would be a pretty reasonable package to give up. And yeah, having Vientos around for the future would be nice, but uh, in the position the Mets are in, I, I think you make that trade. So let's talk about the players they'd be getting. Um, and we can start with uh, Vasquez. And I'm kind of looking at Vasquez here as the alternative to Thomas, uh, uh, excuse me, to acquiring Wilson Contreras. Uh, the Mets pretty clearly need some catching help. James McCann's been a disaster. And I mean, I love Thomas Nito. I'd be okay starting him if push came to shove. But I think ideally you get a better starter and he's a perfect backup catcher. Um, so Vasquez. I would argue is a better player to a better player overall than Wilson Contreras. Now, Wilson Contreras certainly has the better bat, but he's something of a disaster in terms of framing. He's been below average this year. Uh, previous years, he's been uh, close to the bottom of the league in B, uh, baseball perspectives as framing metrics, and that's far and away the most important part of catcher defense. I'm someone who just doesn't really believe in starting um, uh, a bad defensive catcher unless they're literally Mike Piazza, and I don't think Wilson Contreras is that. I think he's a 10 to 15% better than league average bat, which is great at catcher, um, but just based on my preferences for team building, that's not something I'm super eager to acquire. Better than James McCann, of course, but uh, I'm not going to pay out the nose. Vasquez, on the other hand, generally an above average defender his offense isn't as good historically but this year he's running a 111 weighted runs created plus he ran a 115 in 2020 bit of a down year last year his power kind of disappeared he was at 77 but he's been a consistently decent hitter for a catcher with decent defense uh and i think he'd be a clear upgrade uh, as a starter over uh, both nito and mccann what do you do with james mccann in this case i could not care less dfa him uh, you're going to have to move on from him at some point anyway. So I'm not particularly worried about that side of things. Um, so I'm viewing J- uh, Christian Vasquez as the better Wilson Contreras choice here. He's also a pending free agent, so I don't think you're looking at uh, uh, paying a ton, not someone who's going to be getting a qualifying offer or anything like that. On to J.D. Martinez, who's obviously a big, big name, but is 34 now and having, by his standards, a bit of a down year. Only nine home runs been dealing with some back issues, some back spasms, which is certainly concerning. Um, But despite all that, still has a 125 weighted runs created plus, still hitting the ball extremely hard, still has close to optimal launch angle. It's a little, it's come down a little bit from his previous year. So more line drives as opposed to fly balls. Uh, But he's still an excellent hitter, right? He's hitting 20 to 30% better than league average. And against lefties, he has a 200 weight, almost a 200 weighted runs created plus against lefties this year. Um, So the Mets were acquiring him to be the right-handed half of a DH platoon. You're going to help keep his back healthy, and you just let him go out there and absolutely destroy lefties. And I, whether that becomes a uh, more usual start, basically, however you slice it, if you have 
Vogelbach and Martinez platooning at DH, you're always going to have a big bat to come off the bench in a, in a pinch hitting situation, and you're always going to have a really platoon favored bat in that DH spot. So I think it's almost a perfect idea here. You probably don't want to play J.D. Martinez anywhere in the field. Uh, he can maybe stand in the outfield. I wouldn't be thrilled about it, and it might be better for his back if he didn't. He hasn't actually played the outfield at all this year. Um, but I think the, the off potential offensive output there is, is just potentially incredible uh, and, and worth pursuing. Um, I already talked a little bit earlier about why this price might seem high to some people. Uh, let me now push back on why, the people who think this price might be too low. Um, both of these guys are impending free agents. Neither of them are going to get qualifying offers, and meaning the Red Sox have basically no leverage here, right? They have no ability to say, eh, we'll pass on your offer, give him a QO, and get something, right? It's not like you're dealing with the Cubs or Javier Baez or Chris Bryant like last year. And frankly, I think the Mets might even be giving up more than what the Giants gave up for uh, 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 Chris Bryant last year based on consensus rankings. Now, my feelings on Mark Vientos are a little different, and I'd be willing to do this. Um, and I certainly maybe wouldn't lead with that as an offer. But if push came to shove and the Red Sox say you can have an elite right-handed DH and one of the better underrated catchers, uh, so patching your two biggest offensive holes, and all you have to give up is a first baseman you no longer need, a first base prospect you also really don't need, uh, and a low minors fire. Uh, I would be very willing to do that. I think that would give the Mets arguably the greatest uh, uh, set of offensive players in baseball and, and really set them up to, to absolutely uh, uh, mash some people through in the playoffs. So that's the deal I'm going for. J.D. Martinez and Christian Vasquez for Dom Smith, Mark Vientos, and Joel Diaz. Um, we'll see if the Mets do something similar, something totally different, or disappoint us and do nothing at all. All right, everybody, that is our show for the week. So if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complexthequeens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at ZedMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast or if you got your podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening, especially Dan's friends. I heard the feedback and thank you. We will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.